good. Um, let's see. Anybody? Anybody? Um, Leslie, have I called on you lately for a prayer? <laughs> Would you like to uh, start us off? Oh, you're muted. Sorry. I'm so bad about that. Okay. <laughs> Dear Father in heaven, we're very thankful that we can meet together. We're grateful for our group and we're grateful for Cameron. And we ask for the spirit to be with us. And we're very thankful for um, John Pontius being a willing servant and um, writing this book and being in tune with the spirit and being able to share what he has learned with us. And we're so thankful for his um, willingness to do that. We're so grateful for our savior, Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for um, the, we're grateful for the love that thou has for us. We're so thankful for the love that he has for us. We ask that the spirit will be here and that we will be able to feel of it and that our hearts will learn and we will be able to be guided and please help us to share what's in our hearts and we're thankful for the material and for the blessing of technology that we have to be able to be together virtually and we love thee so much and say these things in the name of our beloved savior jesus christ amen all right so this is probably like my favorite chunk of chapter 10 but um uh, there's there's just so many good uh sections in here and, and points and things but obviously mighty prayer is is right up there so what all did you guys understand, have aha moments with, with uh, just prayer in general or uh, diving right into uh, mighty prayer itself there? I'd just like to hear your thoughts and, and your insights and, and things that you, you came across this week. Had you heard of this mighty prayer example, like the, that bulleted list uh, on page 266 before? because that was like a, a, a new one for me. I've listened to the book many times, but um, actually reading through it and digesting each of those was like transformational. Like it has, has completely changed so that my last two weeks, but the more I dive into it, the more I forget about it. And like uh, looking at my prayers, I'm trying, but then there's some that's like, oh man, I, that was not a mighty prayer. <laughs> I need to, to work and change and become uh, it's kind of hard to uh, change into that and, and become that that mighty prayer. But anyway, it, it's so transformational. I, I absolutely love it. I feel the same way. I, I highlighted that whole list. I'm, I've actually highlighted the most in this section out of the rest of the book. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm trying to practice that mighty prayer also. Sure. It's pretty cool. I, I love cried. all of the. Go for it. I said I cried my way through it. <laughs> so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I love all of the temple imagery that comes through here. It really did open my eyes to, to lots of things. Um, so, 
I'm just kind of uh, reading some little highlights throughout these first few pages here um, is the means whereby we are at last gained faith sufficient to part the veil in prayer. And um, when the Holy Spirit is invited into the prayer circle, it acts as a loving tutor or guide in our prayers. Um, it talks about true prayer um, and the, the formula to, um, to ask and, and receive, seek and knock, uh, what is wanted. I mean, there's, there's lots of wording in here that, that should resonate with us, right? And um, anyway, it, <laughs> I know that I should know this, but it didn't quite click until this chapter and really diving into it that, oh, so we, this is the whole part of the, the endowment, the, the true order of prayer and everything. Um, so some of the, the patterns in, in this section here where we aren't the ones saying our prayer, right? We, we receive it from the Holy Ghost and then we repeat and then Christ, our advocate who is linked with us through the atonement is the one advocating our prayer to the Father. Like, oh, this imagery is just popping and uh, helping me gain further insights into that, that instruction that we receive in, in the temple. Um, I had always kind of thought like, oh, true order prayer, it's only done in, in holy places and uh, obviously dressed right and doing all of the, the right things at the right time. But, but really, the true order of prayer is to be guided by the Holy Ghost. It's a revelatory channel. Uh, we aren't saying our own words, but we're repeating those as we are given them through the, the whisperings and, and everything. And then Christ advocates that, that message to the Father, whom we wouldn't have access to without his, his covering atonement. And like, I don't know, that was just so transformational to me, um, going through this whole process. And that it, it kind of is this, this formula listed on 263. The formula is simple, to obey. Um, if we, we've got that, um, it, everything's possible. There, it just opens the doors for, for everything. I love that. One of the phrases that struck me um, very, very strongly on 261. Um, I don't know if Alethe is on here. Does she need a footnote? I haven't seen her for a couple of weeks, but. Yeah, so last week she was traveling and then she just barely texted me again. And she's like, ah, I'm <laughs> again, like I had something come up that, that wasn't here, but. Okay. Well, anyway, the bottom of 261, it's talking about, um, um, let's see. Well, this, the sentence that I have highlighted says, we include self-abuse and self-effacement to substitute for true humility and true faith that would have brought the healing power we seek. I was like, oh my gosh, I... <laughs> That, I don't know, that was just so huge to me that the self-abuse and self-effacement to substitute for true humility. And it made me just think about like when I have just made me think about my, my how, how am I praying? Am I pretend, like, you know, doing these things as thinking that I'm being all humble? I don't know, it was just, mm -hmm. a, that was just, that was really huge for me right there. Yeah. I, that, that really hit me like a ton of bricks too. Like I, and I was noticing as I'm praying, I am like 
always self-deprecating. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry that I, I'm just so weak and this and that and da, 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 or whatever. And then I, mm-hmm. after reading this, I was like trying to put the, the shoe on the other foot and okay, how is God listening to this? It's just like, you poor kid, like, <laughs> do you have no self-worth at all? Like, uh, this isn't humility. This is just like self-abuse kind of a thing. It was like, oh my word, I, how have I been praying wrong this whole time? Yeah, yeah I just was like, whoa, that was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, Leslie. Um, going right along with that, um, I can't find it right now. I'm looking, but I don't see it. It, um, he talks about how it stops. The prayer stops being about us, and it's about God. And we are. Then um, I think we naturally fall out of that um, self-effacement. And what a great place to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and um, one other thing, when you were talking about that before, sorry, I can't hold up my phone and. Um, You're good. <laughs> at the same time um on page 261 and and he talks about this a lot that um we're hearing the voice of christ in the middle it says um in line with joseph's counsel consider the same priesthood holder who has obtained the voice of christ as his guide has fasted and prayed and dot 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 so the voice of christ and then on page 264 it also talks about we as hearers of the voice of Christ. So really we're being guided by the voice of Christ when we are in mighty prayer. And I mean, his voice and he's the advocate both. And I keep thinking of what President Nelson has been trying to get us as a people to do for the last three years is to hear the voice of Christ so that we can be brought into mighty prayer and have those experiences and be put really on that higher path that um that most people probably don't even know is there mm-hmm. yeah exactly it, when you look back at it president nelson's ministry since becoming the pro- well his whole ministry but since becoming the prophet you're just like holy cow like all of this stuff is there like mm-hmm. it just makes so much sense you just kind of need like different training wheels or whatever to look at something from this mm-hmm. uh, perspective. And yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of a quote I think I shared when we read, I don't remember one of the books, but it's one of my favorite ones because Leslie said, you know, it's not about us, it's about God. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's about instead of self abasement and criticizing self, but the quote is humility is reveling in God's grace so it makes humility all about God about how much we appreciate his love and mercy and I think I just I don't know that just puts things into perspective for me yeah what humility is it's not about us it's about God and his goodness Mm -hmm. yeah and and reveling in that like I mean we really don't have anything uh, unless he uh, has given that to us and, and what a great exactly um on 262 we were talking about the voice of christ and um god you know the holy ghost leading our prayers and i love how it says the words flow and can at times exceed language and eclipse our natural speech 
occasionally becoming song with meter melody and rhyme and today I actually was in the did an endowment session today and as I was sitting there waiting for the session to start I thought well I'm gonna try and have like a little like sit here and practice mighty prayer Mm -hmm. um and I started to sing in my head this uh, that that happened to me I had in my head this little um I don't know if it was a song so much as just like a I don't know it was so interesting I just and I I sat there thinking I wish I could say this out loud right now but you know here I am in the waiting for the session to start but anyway I just thought I'd share that um we can I I did have that experience and um today was super cool that's so fun yeah you (laughs) sitting there in the temple and you just don't yeah sing and be all weird right you don't see that every day but (laughs) right yeah this is just the line that kept going through my head like um praise god for his redeeming love and it was just like the sing song words like phrase that kept going through my head and i if i was at home i would have like tried to voice it out loud but mm-hmm. i'm not i can't really sing but i can kind of sing but anyway it was just it was a very cool experience and i, I was in the temple which is probably a really great place to practice mighty prayer mm-hmm. so yeah exactly. anyway, i just thought i'd share that's so cool. I I have never had like spontaneous like tunes or anything come to my my head. So I'm like that that sounds kind of Disney level, but uh, maybe someday I'll I'll get there. <laughs> but I I love that uh, you're sharing that. I, I loved the concept of groanings on page 265. Now, I can't say that I like fully understand it. I know that uh, uh, it's there and that there's a lot more meat to it, but I, uh, I'm just barely starting that, that process of, of resonating with it. But um, he quotes from, from what? It's verse 26. Oh, Romans 8. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helped with our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And the Greek there is a sigh, a sound rich in feeling, but without words. And then Joseph rendered groanings as with striving which cannot be expressed. And so that's just um, such a an interesting thing like I, I really want to understand what that word is and, and stuff I just haven't uh, actually sat down and, and made that study yet but um, I feel that there's a lot of power within that groanings like when that concept gets learned that it can be like transformational in uh, in our mighty prayer And then I love like this whole car analogy, right? That's on um, 269 through 272-ish. But it's such a powerful uh, object lesson here of how we interact with this natural man. 
are we driving is he is the car driving itself um and where are we going what's happening like what is this all about um i loved that whole analogy it was it was very fun to to go through i, I think it just hits it square on the head um how how driving that and um becoming the the driver a purposeful driver knowing where we're going where we're headed and what this car can do for us uh leads us to the page of uh, the top of page 271 um that when we finally get this all mastered that this car our our bodies our natural man becomes our eternal servant a source of endless righteous sensory input and source of creative powers and everlasting joy. That just, that just hit me with like a ton of bricks that, ah, oh, that's exactly why I signed up to come to earth and receive a body because I seen that God, our father and, and all the Elohim had, had this source of endless righteous sensory input. They could see, they could smell, they could taste, they could feel, they could sense all of these things. And, and we wanted a source of that for ourselves. It's almost a, a Urim and Thummim kind of imagery there. And then a source of creative powers, procreative powers, and everlasting joy. Um, we don't have that. Like, we need our cars. We can't just get to these destinations or whatever, like it's uh, talking about here. But we need to not let it drive us off a cliff. We also need to learn how to, to properly use it for our benefit so that we can have these uh, these different sources in in the eternities. I just loved all of it. It was just explained so well. <laughs> yeah, I need a better system for marking because I've just got like so many things marked. I can't really even find anything, <laughs> but um, so much good stuff out of here. Anything else that that really popped out at you guys this week? This is something kind of simple, but. Um, on page 260 at the beginning of Revelation and Prayer, um, so much of what we do of our own intellect should actually be done by Christ utilizing our hands and our voice. And the spirit bore witness to me. It was like, you know, you've got all these things you feel like are problems in your life. You're trying to fix them. You need to pray and figure out what needs to be done. And then Heavenly Father's just going to line it all up and it'll you know, it'll work out better rather than me kicking against the pricks, trying to fix it myself, you know? Yeah. It's uh -oh. almost hard to kind of like finding that balance in our life, right? Like sometimes we need to not be told every thing, right? But at the same time, we need to trust God in, in all things and, and let him fix. Like, <laughs> like you said, kicking against the pricks, that's the perfect uh, word for it. Like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we're stubborn that way. But yeah, on 260 and 261, all of those examples of, um, of revelation, prayer, priesthood blessings, all of that, 
um, we kind of have like the the negative ones lined out and the 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 positive fruits lined out. Uh, there on the bottom of two sixty, it talks about that when a blessing is is lacking, that it it doesn't have power and conviction. It's very tentative and conditional. Uh, it's not unrighteous, but it is without power. Um, such blessings often include admonitions, beseeching of the Lord, escape clauses that give both the priesthood holder and the recipients a place to hang their faith if it doesn't come to pass. And then here's what's gripping, I, I think. At the end of such blessings, we are often not surprised and oddly not disturbed when our desires are not realized as promised. We just accept that the answer from the heavens was no, or that someone didn't have the faith necessary. And we're okay with that. Like, oh man, that, <laughs> that just hit me so hard. Like, why are we okay with that? And, and how do we be better, do better, and, and really tap into this power? Um, over on 261, kind of toward the bottom, it, it gives just the opposite frame. What a, a flowing blessing really looks like. It will flow with power. Words of eternal worth will be spoken. Prophecy will tumble from his lips. The power to heal and sanctify the recipient of the blessing there will be no fine print, no escape clauses, just the blessing and the palpable power. And then here's what, what really hit me. I think Both will walk away with greater faith and the words will be fulfilled to the letter. I, I don't know. I, I should have known it, but I, I've never taken that into a blessing before. That both, both the recipient and um, the, the blesser or whatever, will walk away with greater faith. I've never went into a blessing going, hey, I'm going to come out of this with, with greater faith as well. Um, I, I don't know. I just loved that. Uh, kind of looking at the negative and the positive and what needs to change in my own personal life to, to access power. I mean, that's what President Nelson's trying to get us to do, right? Like tap into the power, the ordinances, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And once we have that conduit, once we can actually hear him, everything changes. And I, I don't know, I just love that whole section. I really like this on page 275 where it's in the every good thing, you know, because we talk about obeying, but sometimes it's hard to obey or feel like, you know, it's kind of scary to obey things because it's not what we think it should be it's not easy or simple and he says as Moroni often explains it's by faith that we are unable to lay hold of every good thing that's at the top of page 275 what he is saying is that when a prompting comes to us to do say it be something we can't know how it's going to work out sometimes it can be quite scary and then the next paragraph often the outward appearance of prompting does not seem to be a straight path since we cannot be see, be see, see beyond the moment in which we live, we are blind to the future and even somewhat blind to the past. We remember poorly and lessons learned blur into a jumble of feelings that we may or may not serve us well in the present. Our jumbled emotions about the past and often jaded perceptions of the present do not ca cast much light upon the future. And I think that sometimes we just spend... I don't know, I do. Sometimes I spend too much time thinking about past things or, you know, and then it, and it affects how you see things and then you're not willing to maybe 
step forward in faith to do things that the spirit asks you to do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes our perceptions can really uh, keep us from doing the things that we're supposed to. Yeah. I love that. Cause I mean, I, I feel like that paragraph all the time, <laughs> like sometimes it, I, just so much in the past that all of that does become kind of scary. Like, like it says, they're scary to obey stuff. And uh, I don't know, I think I shared it with this group too, but like um, the, the journaling kind of promptings that, that the Lord's been sending me on and stuff. It's like journaling really does help that whole thing um, so much true journaling like not just frivolous writing down dear diary but like really getting into it and um trying to consider the past and what the future holds and how to uh, transform and, and grow through through that but yeah everything you said i lay a hold on every good thing that that's a promise we have that in, in scripture Um, can I say something? Yeah. Um, I agree with all that. I, when I was reading that, I remembered an Ensign article that I read a long time ago. And I'm hoping he knows about it. It may, it may not have been, it could have been newer era, or I don't think, I don't, I didn't have, I was, I had young kids at the time, so but it was a story of uh, a woman that lived as an adult in her childhood home and there was a cellar and there was a uh, tornado that was coming and she was afraid to go down in the cellar and she prayed because I guess it was scary as a kid I've never been in a cellar but I guess I could imagine. Anyway, she um, was praying and the answer that uh, the Lord gave back to her, she's saying, I'm scared. I don't want to go down then there because of this and this and this. And he said, well, do it scared then. And so he didn't take away her fear. <laughs> he had to do it anyway. And so I thought of that. It's like, oh, I need to just, because what I have believed is that I can't exercise my faith if I am afraid that's not really that isn't really true um if we're at least I, that's what i think anyway i'm not i'm not really sure so if no, anybody interesting I, I love that well just do it scared then <laughs> like whew, that, that's quite a problem right there i because that one story is like do it scared do it scared so but then it, and then it, eventually it stops being scary but mm -hmm. In the meantime, it can be terrifying. So, yeah. Does that ring a bell to anybody else? I'm going to have to look it up. I, I don't. Yeah. I've tried looking, you know, keywords and whatnot, and I haven't come across anything yet. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll look for it for sure. It days long before the internet. So, What else in this chapter? I loved the the paragraph that talked about. It's on page two seventy seven, but where 
I don't know, this is kind of a wrestle though, that we all have to kind of come to, I think, but um, says right in the middle of the page, although most people are sincere in requesting priesthood ordinances, we often participate in these ordinances without really under, um, understanding what we are doing or what will be required of us to fully enjoy the promised blessings. In order for us to actually receive the full impact of these ordinances, they must be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And I, I found that very interesting. Like, yeah, we we enter into all of our, our ordinances pretty, <laughs> pretty blindly. I don't know. I can't speak for everyone, but like baptism, I don't know if I was ready or, or even still full understand the full complexity of, of everything that that covenant entails versus like our, our temple endowment. I'm constantly learning and growing, getting new layers and uh, meanings to things. Um, but I, I, I resonated with that that um it's that holy spirit of promise it's a ratifying second principle that we're we haven't got yet and so that's uh why our ordinances are the way they are yeah i love that's that. such a good section oh yeah that next section the holy spirit of promise was um all really resonated with me because you know sometimes we do these ordinances, we, we get baptized, we go to the temple, we do all these things without completely understanding what we're doing. And, and the understanding comes with time. And it comes, uh, like it says, many, sometimes many years later. Um, let's see, the very at the very end of that, I love that whole last paragraph, but at the very last of it says, when we finally and fully embrace and fulfill the covenants entered into as youth, then the Holy Spirit of promise grants us the full power of those blessings, even if it is decades later. So, you know, it's even though we get baptized when we're eight years old, you know, an eight-year-old really doesn't understand any of that um, completely. Well, neither, you know, many of us don't. But, you know, as we learn and we grow, then hopefully someday we'll... <laughs> line upon line grace to grace understand what you know the covenants that we've made so i love that that heavenly father doesn't expect us to know it all at once mm -hmm. Learn line upon line yeah exactly and so it's it's interesting that there's actual covenants involved before you fully understand but but it's a, that growing process that it's quite amazing really once you <laughs> kind of um dive into it and like because yeah. at first you kind of feel gypped or like oh man what 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 just happened versus um with retrospect you can look back and okay i can i can see the wisdom in it because without the ordinances then we can't have some of the blessings that that flow from those right away or or but those those blessings that flow from the the promises made can help us actually progress in order to get that holy spirit of promise that that does seal and ratify it later like oh man <laughs> i don't even know how to state it eloquently but like it, it's starting to to finally distill and and make a little more sense than than it has yeah the end of that section was really good because it says the provision of the holy spirit also gives us time to repent approach, receive, falter, and approach again. The blessings are, bespo are bestowed when worthiness is manifest, even if it's for the second or third time. 
Um, it says, they reap the blessings of membership in his church, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and grow into the brighter light until the time that they are truly worthy of the promised blessings of baptism and the cleansing we all must have in the blood of the lamb prior to obtaining place in his kingdom, which goes on in the next section about the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then, um, cause they all kind of go together. They're all linked together. The, what we'll read next week on being born again. Um, it's, we have to have that Holy Spirit, a promise, because that says that we're doing what we're supposed to do and that we're repenting enough to become clean, that, that it's a step toward having the Holy Ghost with us all the time, which he talks about in that last section. I think that we, because I just read that before I came on with a friend and mm -hmm. I thought, wow, he did a really good job of explaining that it's yes. not just hearing the Holy Ghost here and there, it's having the constant companion of the Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. which cleanses and sanctifies us and makes us fit for God's kingdom. Yeah, absolutely love it. Sure. And <laughs> not to like shamelessly plug this other book, but like Four Ordinations, that, that chapter on the Holy Spirit of Promise uh, really does shed uh, quite a bit of light on, on different things, kind of goes a little bit more in depth. Um, like I, I gave in my disclaimer on it, right? I mean, it, it's just another book to read. Uh, I didn't resonate with everything that was in that chapter, but, um, but very significant, interesting things that um, uh, some of it really emphasizes what John's pointing out here about Holy Spirit of promise and, and things um, with our ordinances and the two-partness of it. Mm -hmm. Right. I think there's more than one part. There's more than one part to the baptism. I think there's more, you know, and then there's the Holy Spirit of promise because I don't know if it's mentioned in there, but uh, a friend had posted something and I posted it to my Facebook line, but it was about Bednar's talk about um, receive the Holy Ghost. And he talks about just because hands are placed on your head, you're receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, but you have to live worthily to actually receive the endowment, the higher endowment of the Holy Ghost all the time. And so- mm -hmm. And it's a great talk. And most people think they get the Holy Ghost when they are confirmed, but that's just the gift. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to live worthily to be able to have it with us all the time, 24 seven. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, you know, many of us like faith, repentance, baptism, all of this stuff, and then endure to the end. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, once you get the, once you go through the temple, then, then you've made it. You're good. You're, right. It's like, what what does endure to the end really mean and how does that that work with all of it yes yeah yeah just like in uh, on page 280 it goes right along with that receiving incremental revelations from the holy ghost is not the same thing as receiving the full companionship of the holy ghost yeah and i don't think most people understand that and when uh president nelson has says do the spiritual work necessary i think that's what he's talking about you know repent enough that you become clean enough to have the holy ghost with you and have this experience which we'll read about next time about being born again because i mean that's 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 the first comforter 
that we're all seeking to have. And then we have to have the first comforter before we get the second comforter. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, how many of us have gotten that yet completely? And it's, it's, a, it's not easy. I mm. mean, cause we have so many, you know, we have so many unbeliefs still that we hang on to and we just don't have true faith, I think. And it's just, it's just interesting. So <laughs> I, I know there's things that I'm held back by. So it's, it's, I think it's a work of a lifetime, but I guess some people experience it. So mm -hmm. obviously he did. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting and, and humbling at the same yes, time. You know? It I is. Mean, we think we think just like you said before, we we've gone through the temple and we, we think that, you know, we're there and mm -hmm. <laughs> we still have a lot of work to do. At least I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we all do, but lots of people think that's the crowning glory. I've been through the temple and uh, check mark, I'm all done. And I don't know which prophet said uh, it's a the temple's a university. It's where we go to learn how to become more like God and closer to God. You know, it's the step by step process to help us become closer to God and like God. But it doesn't mean just because we've gone, we're there already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking at one point, this was probably back like 2016-ish, 2015 maybe, but I was like, okay, I, like, I've kind of got the endowment down, like I, I've, I've got it, so all right, what am I missing? Because, you know, so many prophets and apostles and people are like, you never stop learning about the endowment, so it's like, all right, being humble and, and going to the Lord, like, what am I missing? Because I need more. I, I, I'm not receiving like what Elle was talking about there. Like, um, I, I don't know. I need more. It's the university. Where, how do I go and, and uh, learn even more stuff? And then it starts avalanching down. And uh, as soon as you're ready, the Lord's ready to like rush it on in. Right. And I can't tell you, like from that time forward, 2017, 18, 19, 20, like, man, it, it's been coming and, and coming steady. And it's just so fun to, to see all of the new and um, loving ways that, that the Lord does teach through, through the temple. It's such a, a remarkable plan to not have actual preachers and teachers in the temple, but the Lord himself. Like, just learning how that process works and, and being able to receive revelation in a new way, um, rather than the, a Sunday school setting or, or what have you. Um, so fun. I, I love the way the gospel is set up uh, and how we, I mean, nobody's perfect. And, and so sometimes we, we get so hyper-focused on, um, on the faults of, of men and others and, and ourselves, but really God's, God's pattern is, is just so perfect. Our, our tutelage under, um, under Christ is, is, just magnificent really looking at it um, it'll be fun after everything's all said and done and we're we're looking back on our life going oh man you couldn't have done it any better but how thick-headed was I at, at this point and uh, just seeing his um, his hand in all things from from the beginning to the end he never leaves us alone but is constantly um, helping us at, at our our pace and everything
conversation is um, thinking, I'm thinking it's connected to his um, discussion in there on repentance. Repentance is not limited to refusing to choose evil. It's also choosing to embrace godliness and to be Christ-like. It is quite literally to repent of the human condition. So we, um, as a body of Christ, need to repent for the things that we, it seems like to me, as I'm just making these connections, not believing, um, not understanding, um, thinking that, oh, I, I'm done. I, I've been to the temple, I'm done. Um, those kind of things. Um, in my mind, I was just connecting that to um, what he says in here about repentance. Mm -hmm. Repenting of thinking that you're, you know, the human condition is to think, okay, I've checked that, check that box. <laughs> I'm good. Mm -hmm. Instead of continuing to just be humble and be led by the spirit. We feel like, okay, I'm good. And we, we probably let our pride creep in and think we're all fine. And um, we don't need any more, but we constantly need more, <laughs> more of God, more of the spirit. Mm -hmm. yeah, for yeah, it says in there, more than repenting of what we do, we are to repent of what we are, which is fallen man unable to return to God. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and there's some definition of humility that says we need to be teachable. So, and that's what I like about this group, because we're willing to learn and be tutored by the Lord. And we're willing to share and help each other learn. A lot of people don't want to. I, You had said something about patterns, Cameron, and I had posted something somewhere about how the Lord works in patterns and somebody was immediately jumped on that and said, oh, no, they, no, he doesn't. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how can you say that? I'm like, I didn't know how to respond to it. I posted two articles, one from a conference talk and one from a BYU pattern. And he's like, well, that still doesn't convince me that God works in patterns because we were, I, I put, asked questions about the Davidic servant is what it was. And, um, and I was saying that he works because they, they didn't believe in the Davidic servant. Oh, that's just, that's Abraham Gileadi's thing. And it's not really, you know, that's not true. And I thought, well, and I'd read somewhere that John, uh, John the Baptist came for the first time before Christ came. And so why wouldn't he have another one come for his second coming? You know, mm -hmm. someone, and it's like, oh, he didn't have one when he went to the Americas. And I thought that's not his first coming. It's first coming to earth, not to the, but I didn't, I didn't want to quibble. So I just left mm -hmm. it. And he was just adamant that God didn't work in patterns. And I was like, okay, he just doesn't want to be teachable, learn. Yeah. I thought, okay, he doesn't want to get out of his paradigm. And I thought, okay, this is where we become hard hearted and think we know everything. We aren't, we are not willing to listen to other people's perspectives, even if we don't agree with them, that there might be something in it to, to glean from. I don't know. It's interesting. I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah, so. it's been amazing that journey that uh, of humbling 
uh, myself to, to that point, because, you know, I, I, before we did book clubs and, and everything, I was very much like, no, the Lord told me this. And so it must apply to everyone kind of thing. And like, I, I was just a <laughs> very straightforward kind of uh, thinking, but um, learning that, that God is revealing to everyone at their own place and, and speed and, and anyway, and to never uh, be judging about other people's um, process, like never comparing your learning to somebody else's learning right. and uh, the speed or the, or the path kind of a thing. Uh, it's so fun to to kind of let that that guard down and and actually be teachable from everyone. You know, I mean, we can we can learn from from people in Sunday school. We can learn from from kids in primary, we can learn from every good source, every good book. Um, however, the Lord is wanting us to, to learn at any given moment um, is amazing. And so he, if you'll kind of let that guard down, it, it's very freeing, but um, he'll take you on a ride for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that about patterns because, oh man, that's, that's, testified to me over and over and over again so mm -hmm. many witnesses of, and of yeah and i learned that from from you and from the the post in learning zion and it's just yeah and it's huge but some people just don't see it yeah and it's just it's just sad but that's where they're at and that's fine they'll they'll eventually you know they'll learn it in their own time Mm -hmm. So, but I was just asking more about the davidic servant if anybody knew more information because i've been trying to study that and learn more but nobody had really heard of it they mm -hmm. knew nothing about it so i thought that was interesting i guess a lot of people don't know much about it i know sometimes like i'm so immersed in uh learning and, and growing with y'all i just assume everybody has read the same books that that we have mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh wait sorry i have to kind of go backwards and like all right so if that's there and how we can uh, find common ground and, and talk on, on things, right? Yeah. There's another quote in that repentance part that, what was it? Oh, yeah, on 273, that repentance is not limited to refusing to choose evil, which, I mean, yeah, we kind of pigeonhole it into that one definition there. But it is also choosing to embrace godliness and to be Christ-like in disp dispensing grace to others. It is quite literally to repent of the human condition. I loved that, that another aspect to it, that repentance is about dispensing grace. And so, you know, as forgive as we're forgiven and uh, all of that, like, I don't know, it's just a, a new dynamic that I really love. Um, you know, we've been uh, told that example of that our sins are forgiven us as we bear testimony, right? As we testify of things, our sins are um, forgiven. But so repentance is kind of like this multifaceted jewel that um, sometimes we're so focused on the one side, but uh, if we look at all of the different facets to it, there's, it's joyful. It's, it's this most amazing thing that, that we have um, in our our possession to or our ability to repent um, and to, to turn as President Nelson talks about that meta nuevo principle.
I also liked on the previous page that, um, well, I'm just gonna read the whole paragraph. Uh, the reason such transgression is in fact contrary to our own knowledge is because we are transgressing in every case against the voice of our conscience. And then this is what, what hit me. We are warned before every untoward act. And, and that kind of hit me like, are we really? Oh, interesting. And so like really putting that into practice and like, huh, yeah, we, we are warned before every untoward act. Every little thing um, has that, that inkling there. And that's where transgression comes in. And anyway, that was an enlightening thing to, to work throughout this week as I'm um, going through life. And those, those warnings are just constant if we'll, we'll really listen to them. Isn't that exactly what the uh, fall was all about? That Heavenly Father and warned Adam? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a great point. I'd never thought about that before until you just said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I love about this book. Like, there's just like so many good little nuggets. That one sentence just like took. Uh, lots of meditation and pondering and now what are you connecting with adam what part are you connecting with adam i guess i'm not making that connection well cameron just said that we're warned before any untoward act right uh-huh and adam was warned about eating from the tree right oh okay i see and i never put those two together like that yeah no, I haven't and, either. And I thought, oh my goodness, yeah, great, great thought, Cameron. Um, and then I loved this kind of like thought process here on page 276. Um, it's toward the very bottom. It's in that last paragraph. But um, it says, I think it's the second sentence in it. Revelation has an essence, a flavor, a discernible texture that we come to recognize over time. We become familiar with the light by exposing ourselves to it. And so, um, you know, with uh, the apostles and, and church leaders uh, giving their, their hear him videos, right? They're all kind of describing this because it happens so different for, for each one of us. But how does, how does revelation happen for you? And how do you describe it? You know, like revelation has an essence, a flavor, discernible textures that, that we actually can sense revelation. You know, that's, that's such a hard one to, uh, at least it was really hard for me to, to grasp onto at first, right? Like, how does the spirit speak to me? I don't know. I just, I just know when there's a prompting kind of a thing, but actually coming to know and describe it, put language to it and, and identify how the spirit works with me versus how the Holy Ghost works with me and, and all of that. Um, I, I found that very interesting to to kind of label it to our senses, as it says there, uh, essence, um, that flavor and, and discernible texture. Um, anyway. When I was a kid, and I was in high school, and when I joined the church, senior in high school, we coined a phrase amongst us as teenagers. Of course, we laugh at it now, of course, <laughs> but we said, that when we have that warm, bubbly, seven-up feeling going through our veins, that's when we were experiencing these aha moments, right? Mm -hmm. But 
you know, you look back at that now and you just kind of chuckle, but the reality is, is that that part of the process, isn't it, is for us to understand when you have the Holy Ghost and to understand and to teach others that what they're feeling is the Holy Ghost, right? Yeah. One of the things that you learn on your mission is to, to understand that and to recognize it. And then, of course, it gets to the point where you just said, Cameron, where it becomes just second nature to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind of you forget how to describe it. It's just part of you <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. I know, like, um, some of the times when um, I, I notice it, especially when I'm acting in my calling, whatever my calling is, ministering or um, family history or whatever. But when I am looking or thinking at a problem or a roadblock kind of thing, and then all of a sudden, it's just like the most pristine, clear, like, you just can't even describe it in words, really. But like, it's almost as if all of this muddy water just parts and, and you can just see it so clearly that the problem is just fixed and, and you can see the solution. Um, I, that's when I know that like, that a mantle of a calling is, is helping in, um, uh, in that sort of a, uh, a prompting. But in, in other ways, I, I notice different uh, textures and flavors and, and things. And so it, it's so interesting how each of us have our own um, framework and, and feelings. You know, I, I don't experience the, the burning in the bosom like all the time, like what, uh, you know, some of the scriptures describe and everything. And, and sometimes we kind of pigeonhole it into that. Like if you don't feel that, then and you're not feeling the, the spirit, but uh, like what Stefan was saying, that, that warm seven up bubbly feeling, um, the, the tingle in the spine, the, all of those, those different things can, can come at different times in, in diverse manners. I, I love, love how it says it's delicious. It, it's both recognizable and delicious to us. And the next paragraph, it says, in time through righteous experiments, we learn that Christ's word is never wrong. It never leaves us alone. Happiness and peace always flow from obedience to his whispered commands. And thus we begin not only to have faith in Christ, but also to exercise faith in Christ. And it allows us to begin to lay hold of every good thing. And it reminds me of people, I don't know, um, I don't, maybe you've not met people, but I've met other people of Christian faith that are just so excited about life and so excited about the goodness of God in Christ. And I think they must listen to the Holy Spirit because it must make it delicious and they become addicted to that. It's like it brings them happiness and joy and peace and they're just just so alive. And I haven't met somebody like that in a long, long time. But when I was a teenager, I met some people like that. And it's this, it must be that they just listen to the spirit because they were always bubbly and you know happy and talking about how good God was and how blessed they were. And, you know, it's just, um, I, I don't know. It's just, I think if, if once you listen to the spirit and obey it, I think it, be, like you said, it becomes delicious and you become addicted to having that with you because you know, it's always going to be truthful and it's going to guide you to good things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. exactly. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how the world twists it because 
uh, being obedient to the commandments. They, you know, same twist it. It's, it's keeping you from having fun. It's keeping you, you know, it's, it's, um, what, what is, what is, I don't even know how the world, I can't even think of the words right now. Cause, um, what I was thinking was how amazing it is that if, if you, if you don't understand the concept of the, of obeying and by obeying, you're going to be more and more blessed. Um, it's so, it's such a huge concept that people think if they, they're going to be subservient somehow, that somehow they're going to lose out if they keep the commandments or something like they're not going to have whatever they think that it's going to give them. And it's just such a huge blessing to understand that I'm going to be obedient and I am going to be filled with these, you know, it's going to be delicious and more happiness and more peace. And the more obedient I am, the more I'm going to feel that way. It's, it's like this gift that never stops giving. But if you don't understand that, you think that it's going to tie you down somehow or keep you from the party, I guess, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's just, it's pretty incredible to understand the true concept of it, of being obedient and having these amazing blessings flow. And they, and in Christ, they don't, Christ, they didn't want to stop giving us those things. They want us to continually feel this, um, you know, to have those blessings in our lives. It's just... Um, anyways, I'm just sitting here thinking what an amazing concept that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's a great thought, Rossam, because wasn't it, um, oh my goodness, Neil Maxwell, wasn't he the one that said the one thing, that we, the only thing that really we can give to Heavenly Father is, is our free will, right? And to be mm-hmm. obedient. And and I kind of, when I listened to it, I thought about, oh my goodness, this is exactly what Satan fought about in the pre-existence. Mm-hmm. Because I think this obedience piece is, is they want to be in control. And they're not willing to give their life over to Heavenly Father, to Christ, right? And let him be in control. And isn't that exactly what that whole battle in the pre-existence was all about? And I think that's one of the hardest things for people in this world finally get. And that is, you know, who do you want to control your life? Do you want to control it because, you know, you don't want to be obedient. You, you think you're better than Heavenly Father. I was talking to someone last night about this. And, and at, at the end of the day, who can make more of our lives? Us are, you know, the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely God. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I I've, I've also want to, um, you were talking about podcasts right before we started talking about this chapter. And, you know, Moses chapter seven is all about Zion. Um, and come follow me. That's the chapter for this week is i'm sure you know 
um, but I was listening to the Follow Him podcast with John, by the way, and Hank Smith today, and Avraham, I can't remember his last name, but anyway, he's got all these amazing credentials, but the way he talks, it's amazing to me. So um, the way John Pontius talks about Zion, that, that we have everything we need right now to build Zion. The church is, it's ready, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. nothing else that we're waiting for. We can start right now. We can build Zion. Um, and that's exactly what this guy talks about in that podcast. I was just sitting there. Oh my gosh, here it is. Another witness of this concept that Zion, we can build it right now. There's nothing else we need to wait for. Anyway, I've just been sitting here thinking about that too, as we've been talking about these things and this book about Zion and um, that there's other witnesses to what John Pontius is witnessing to in this book. Um, Mm -hmm. And that it's, it's just really cool to be studying or reading something else and hear that same thing that you've listened, that you've heard. Oh, it's, there's another witness anyway. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd share that. Yeah. those podcasts are like totally awesome so often we yeah so often we think oh i can't wait to be in zion and we can't wait to go to (laughs) zion and after you listen to this podcast it's like someone hits you in the head like wake up you you have (laughs) zion here in front of you Mm -hmm. it's all up to you you have Mm -hmm. everything you need to do right now to start building zion in your own life and you know, as you say that, it just echoes the words of our current prophet, because that is exactly, at least from my perspective, what he is trying to teach us, that now mm-hmm. is the time for us to hear him. Now is the time for us to build Zion. It isn't tomorrow or 10 or 20 years from now. It's now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I agree. Yeah, it's going to be really fun going through President Nelson's talks uh, with all of this framework behind us, right? With with Abraham, with uh, Isaiah, and uh, here with, with Zion, uh, like taking all of that and having a, a forum to discuss President Nelson's talks um, in, in that light, I, I think is going to be so fun. Um. Anything else from from the chapter that we uh, might have missed or you want to talk about real quick before we close out for the night? Yeah, like I said, this is probably my my favorite part of of chapter 10. Not that the rest isn't great, but um, there's there's a lot next week, uh, being born again, etc. And all of those those blessings that, that come. But this mighty prayer and repentance and and all the things that, that were talked about in this section were just so perfect and, and so timely, I think, uh, for at least me and in my personal journey, it has been revolutionary. All right, well, um, let me throw up next week's schedule up on the screen real quick. All right, so um, next week is part four, and we are going to be going from pages 281 through 305. 
It's going to be the being born again through the endowment. And then the next week will be our uh, final chapter on uh, chapter 10. Yep. All right. Well, it's been fun, everyone. Uh, <laughs> thanks for sticking with it. Uh, uh, we're kind of low on numbers these these past couple of weeks. So there's lots of things coming up. I, I totally understand. That's why I uh, have been posting them on, on the YouTube and uh, on these podcasts or whatever. If you find them useful, uh, all of the links there are on, on Learning Zion. Um, and any of the extracurriculars, if you ever have any fun books or or things that you want some pseudo book clubs on <laughs> i'm i'm open to uh adding those to to the mix after we get forward nations and the fire of the spirit done but anyway i i <laughs> it's like there's just not enough time to study everything but i i love all of these avenues that, that we're headed down and uh going toward um anyway yeah Keep up that. I agree. Thank uh, you, Cameron. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. All right. Good night. We will see everyone next week. Have a good week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.